Come, Holy Spirit. Kindle in us the fire of your love. Open the eyes of our hearts and see through them. Open our lips and speak through them. Set our souls on fire. Please be seated. Oh, I love starting like that. You're a little fired up in the moment, right? Yeah. Good morning. All right, I'm still smelling some barbecue. Yeah, boy, what a great time we had yesterday. What a great, great time. Good morning, you daughters of Abraham. But guys, don't be left out. You're sons of Abraham. Okay? A characteristic feature of the Gospel of Luke is that when he gives you a man or a woman who Jesus interacting with, somebody who he is redeeming, saving, healing in some way, if it's a woman, he'll give you a parallel story where it's a man. Today we hear the story of a woman who goes to the synagogue, she's bent over by this ailment, this oppression, this thing that's been carrying her and weighing her down for 18 years. And people get indignant about him doing something on the Sabbath, which they say, according to tradition and the rules, you're not supposed to do. Well, keep reading, okay? Keep reading, because the very next chapter, Jesus is in the home of one of the religious leaders, and they're having a meal, and a guy who has edema, they call it dropsy, appears, and Jesus says, is it legal to heal on the Sabbath? And he heals that guy. Sons and daughters of Abraham, you, me, and all, all, all of us. Jesus is controversial. Say it isn't so. <laughs> he told us he came to turn the world upside down. His mom told us that the world is going to be turned upside down. And he's going to do some things to remind us of our better selves. Remind us of our better selves. Not without controversy, though, because it means that some things have to change. Some things have to change. It's a story of a, of a religious community in, in Eastern Europe, and they, they were a Jewish community. As they gathered, each time they gathered, they would pray this traditional Jewish prayer, the Shema. And they had some controversy in the community because um, half the congregation would, would stand for that traditional prayer and half would sit. <laughs> Like us. <laughs> yeah, like us. Half stand, half sit, and they go, well, what are we supposed to do? Hey, what are we supposed to do? Well, the thing is, you know, in this, in this community, right, um, those who, who stood kind of looked with judgment upon those who sat. Not supposed to be sitting for this prayer, you irreverent people. Stand. Whereas those who are seated said, no, this is proper tradition. And by the way, you who are standing, you're blocking my view. <laughs> it was like that where I went to seminary. <laughs> yeah, and I was kind of um, a little bit devilish in that, so I would stand because I knew the person next to me was one who wanted to kneel. <laughs> Forgive me, Lord, <laughs> for being a jerk. <laughs> yeah, so there's this community, and, and they're fighting with each other over what the rule is. They're fighting with each other. And so they, they, go, they go to the rabbi and they go, well, rabbi, there, there's a, a founding member of this community who is still living. He lives in a nursing home. He's, he's over 100 years old now. And, and rabbi, 
we could probably go to, to this man and he could tell us what the tradition of the community really is. And so they get a representative of those who think you're supposed to stand and a representative for those who, who say you're supposed to sit during the prayer. And they go and they find this elderly man in this, in this community and, and, and they go, well, we got a problem back at, at the synagogue. It's about what we're supposed to do during, during this prayer. And, and can you tell us? And so the first person, the, the representative of, of those who stand, came to the old man and said, so, so is, it, is it correct that we're supposed to stand? during the Shema. Is that the tradition? And the old man thought for a moment and goes, no, that's not the tradition. Okay, so the other person from the sitting continues and goes, oh, we must be right then. So let's make sure we confirm this. So, um, so what you're saying then is the tradition is that we sit during the prayer. And he says, no, <laughs> that is not the tradition. Now they're confused. We've gotten nowhere. And so the rabbi thinks for a moment and goes, well, but, but sir, you have to understand, this is, this is divisive. People want to do the right thing, and we've got two rules here, and we can't decide, and, and, and people are angry at their neighbor, and they're complaining and, and not getting along, and, and the old man goes, that's the tradition! <laughs> trying to honor God. They're trying to do the right thing. I don't question the sincerity there. Just like when Jesus teaching in the synagogue. He's teaching in the synagogue. And this woman appears. Now it doesn't give her name. It doesn't call her by name. But I assume that this is her practice of going as a faithful Jew to the synagogue. And people probably have seen her many, many times. They know who she is. <clears throat> She's probably asked for healing a number of times. And she comes on that day. She knows, she knows what you're supposed to do and not do. And, and she's, she seems to be minding her own business. She doesn't call out. She's not like the lepers who are kind of you know, yelling at him as he goes by. Son of David, have mercy on me. She says nothing. But he sees her. That should give you great hope. That before you say anything at all, Jesus sees you already. Sees you already. He's the one who takes the initiative. He's the one that decides, you know, I know these people have this thing about not supposed to be doing work on a, on a, on a Sabbath. He knows that. Here's an opportunity, though, that's not to be missed. That's not to be missed. And he calls her over. And she does the only appropriate thing you can do at that time. I mean, she, 18 years she's been bent over, and she stands up straight. Yeah, she's probably jumping up and down and clicking her heels, praising God, right? That's what you would expect. Except there's some people that go, yeah, that's all fine and good, but you broke the rule. You broke the rule. Come on another day and do that. Come tomorrow. Could have come yesterday. You broke the rule. Now, aren't rules good? Right? Rules are good. I'm glad we got speed limits 
down here. I'm glad we got lines on the roads. And I'm glad there are people out there slowing us down. At least slowing other people down. Right? We like the rules. Rules are good. If we didn't have rules, it would be anarchy. Okay? Rules can be a good thing. And I'm wondering about this woman. She received this blessing, and I wonder, I wonder if now she was considered like, you know, when, when they couldn't complain at Jesus anymore, and they keep reminding her of that day when she caused all that trouble by showing up and being healed on the Sabbath, and now they can continue looking at her and going, you know, now she's not even welcome in her own place anymore because Jesus did something that broke the rules. And think of that guy, that guy that was there. Anybody ever have a job where it was your job to enforce the rules? Right? It's not always a happy thing, is it? This guy, this person known as the president of the synagogue, he's a volunteer. He's a volunteer. He's the person, it's like, it's like here we have somebody called the vestry person of the day. <laughs> they come in and lock everything, turn the lights on, set the sound system up, right? They do all these things that they're called to do in their role. This is, this is what this person's like. They, they make sure that everything is in place and worship runs the way it's supposed to. They're the rule keeper. And without those people doing that, you get chaos, right? And this person's a volunteer. I'm just doing my job. And Jesus breaks the rules. And this guy's not happy about it. He's going around trying to rally support for his son. You see what he did? You know what David is, right? Did he break the rule? Did he break the rule, Joe? He broke the rule. Don't break the rules. We have people going around breaking the rules and things like that, right? It'll be chaos, pandemonium. And to make it worse for this guy, that Jesus has defied his authority, this guy is shamed. He feels put down. The people are rejoicing. He's going around trying to get people to see from his side. There's this controversy here, and, and I think this is going to be a hard thing for him to, to get over. When things didn't go his way. Didn't go his way. You see, he's not wrong. He's not wrong. See, this is about the observance of Sabbath. And the complexity in here is that scriptures tell us we practice Sabbath for two reasons. In the book Exodus, where we get the Ten Commandments, where we get that commandment to observe the Sabbath, in that first telling, it tells us that we observe the Sabbath, that we don't work on that because God rested on that day and made it holy. And that's what the guy's doing. He's saying, no, don't do this. This is work. You can't do that on the Sabbath. Do it some other day, on a work day. Come, come tomorrow, okay? He's here all week. Okay, come tomorrow. He'll take care of it then. But in Deuteronomy, in Deuteronomy, you got a second telling of those Ten Commandments. And in there, it says, you practice Sabbath because remember that you were slaves in Egypt. You were oppressed. And I set you free. I set you free. The Sabbath day is about being set free. Set free, yeah, from working gets your rest. But set free from anything that's, that's weighing you down, anything that is is oppressing you, anything that is an illness or an oppression or a brokenness, this is the day for doing it. This is the day for doing it. And Jesus steps back from that. 
steps back from that, the rightness of that, and goes deeper. Because those commandments that were given, they're not given to oppress us. They're not given to restrict our freedoms. They're not given to us to make it impossible to be healed on the Sabbath day. They're actually given to us because God says, if you follow these things, life will be better. They'll be better. These are guardrails that keep you out of the ditch. Not to make you unhappy and oppressed, but to help you actually live the abundant life that I've already promised you earlier. What does he call the woman? What does he call her? Daughter of Abraham. Daughter of Abraham. See, before there were the Ten Commandments, that seems to be the point of contention here between the synagogue leader and, and Jesus. Before all that, we had Abraham. Abraham. Before the Ten Commandments, there was Abraham and the promises of God. God calling Abraham out of his homeland into a land that he did not know. You will be my people and I will be your God. And I will bless you. I will bless you. I will be with you always. I will never leave you. I will bless you. I will give you land. I will give you prosperity. I will give you children more numerous than the sands on the shore or the stars in the sky. I will bless you. I will bless you. And Jesus is reminding those who would hear that, yeah, we have these rules, but the more fundamental thing, the most important thing, the thing that's behind all that, that is, that is trying to be the blessing giving through them, is that blessing to Abraham. That we would be set free. That we would be blessed and we would prosper. And so he calls her what she is. A child of that covenant promise. A daughter of Abraham. All of us are daughters and sons of Abraham. And when we get into these things where we disagree about what the rules are, let's step back from that and the confrontation of that and remember who we are and whose we are. All of us promised that covenant blessing given to all of us who are daughters and sons of Abraham. Amen. Amen. Amen.